Well, hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics by honest conversations. This week, we're going to be looking at gambling. And this episode is produced in partnership with the gambling harms charity, Gamble Aware, ahead of the 2022, I want to say 2020, it's two years down the line from that, 2022 FIFA World Cup which of course is very exciting. The anticipation has already reached fever pitch in my house. But with so much football happening, there's also going to be the increased lure of gambling. A few factors at play. According to research by Gamble Aware, the majority, 61% of football fans, say there's too many gambling ads in the World Cup and other international tournaments, which is interesting because as I was preparing for this, I was a, I realised that I just don't even see those ads because it's not something on my radar and then as I've changed my attention in preparation for this I do now see that they are absolutely everywhere. What I'm really interested in is that sports gambling is something that is traditionally seen as impacting men but actually it can have an effect on all walks of life including partners and women who can be um find themselves victim of this as well. So I'm going to be hearing from two guests today, Steph Shilton and Joe Mustafa. We'll talk to Joe later, who seven years ago found herself spiralling into a gambling problem after a one-off bet on a football match. But first, I'm going to be speaking to Steph Shilton, who is married to legendary England footballer Peter Shilton. Off mic, producer Steve tells me he is the most capped England player of all time, and he has spent 20 years as an England goalkeeper. That's actually insane. Aside from that, he was addicted to gambling for 45 years. This addiction cost him not only millions of his hard-earned cash, but also severely impacted his mental health and his relationship with loved ones. So without further ado, let's talk to Steph. Steph, I always ask two kind of very light-hearted, I don't know if they're light-hearted, but three intro questions, which are, how are you really? What star sign are you? And what's your favourite crisp? I'm going to go backwards in your question. So my okay. favourite crisps are Walker's Roast Chicken. And my star sign is Scorpion, but I'm more of a Sagittarian, I believe. And I'm feeling really good because I've just found out I'm going to be a grandmother again so I'm, I'm, I'm I feel amazing ah uh, I've not had anyone um I mean obviously the grandchild thing is far more important but I'm just picking back up on the fact I've never had anyone say um Walker's roast chicken crisp so I worry that they might be a bit of a dying favorite I know I know I think I'm quite alone on that or maybe not because you still get packets of them, don't don't you? But yeah. roast chicken is definitely are they in my go-to. Kind of, are they in the slightly orangey pack? Yeah. Have you had them before, Clement? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've definitely had them. I mean, to be honest, and this isn't an ad for them, there, there isn't a Walker's crisp that I don't like. Yeah, Peter's is salt and vinegar and mine is roast chicken. Classic. And um, the grandchild, is that how many other grandchildren have you got? I've got three, so this would be my fourth, so it's really special, yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Thank congratulations. you, thank you. News. So, uh, oh, and you said you're really well, yeah, because of that, that's nice. And then we're going to take a mood turn and, uh, yeah, go to a chapter of your life that probably wasn't so easy. So tell me a bit about your story, or I guess it's Peter's story as well, and his, his gambling, and also how... For you, that showed up as what looked like the, he might have been being unfaithful, but it was actually something completely different. 
Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, I, I met Peter and we fell in love very, very quickly, had an awful lot in common despite the age gap. Um, but I started to notice um, unusual behaviour, you know, signs, which, you know, he was going out in the room to use his phone. He was quite secretive um, around his, his phone and his finances. And so I, I knew quite early on things, you know, weren't quite 100%. And then I, I managed to get hold of his phone and I could see a regular number that he was calling and I rang it when he wasn't around and it was a, it was a gambling company. So, yeah, that's really how I found out fairly quickly mm-hmm. that I thought he was just being a gentleman and hiding his um, love of horse racing from me. So I encouraged him to do it in front of me and that enabled me then to see how chronic his condition was and sadly it really was chronic. Um, and how, I mean, it's a bit of a crass question, but but how bad did it get? Well, it got to the, that the, if he wasn't working, um, you know, he'd be sometimes gambling all through the night Wow. So, which was really worrying. I'd wake up and and often he wouldn't be beside me. And, uh, you know, I'd sort of sneak off to the lounge and, you know, he would be he would be gambling. He had the laptop open and I could clearly see, you know, that he was on a betting exchange. And then the, the Sky TV, he could gamble 24-7. So he was gambling on Australian horse racing. That's the problem, Clemmy, because nowadays you can gamble 24-7. Mm. It's available all the time. Yeah, I think, to, yeah, my something I've realised in preparation for this podcast is I have a very certain image of gambling, which is is totally wrong, which is, yeah, people going to the bookies. I mean, it couldn't be further from that. You really don't have to ever step foot in the bookies anymore. It is available to you all the time. And yeah, and it, yeah, it just might not be taking the shape that you expect, I suppose. No, I mean, how quickly has that come along as well, Clemmy? When you mm. think when I was when I was a young, you know, a little girl, you know, bookmakers were all blacked out, you know, and 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 hidden from child from children, um, in, you know, and but now it's it's coming up as adverts and flash ups on even on children's mobile phones. My granddaughter says that she gets them come up, you know, um, which is sad. And I, I, in the research, I also saw that you have referred to gambling to be on a par with a heroin addiction or any other addiction like that. And, and what were your grounds for saying that? I think it's because I recognised, um, you know, really sort of working um, in the NHS and then also watching and almost studying my husband through his gambling addiction. Um, You know, the high is huge from winning money. It's massive. Um, And I I had seen heroin addiction in my career. Um, And I, I seriously do relate it to the same. I think, you know, an individual, and I've listened to hundreds of addicts and loved ones over the last few years, 
Um, it all seems to generate from the, these from a win and they get a rush. And some individuals, I'm not saying all, but some individuals can get hooked as quickly as the same as heroin. You can have one hit of heroin and become an addict. Mm-hmm. I think it's that powerful because I think the rush of the win is so great. Like with alcohol, you know, it takes you a while to get drunk, doesn't it? You know, and you can you can sort of generally you can think, oh, I think I've had a bit too much here. You can have a hangover the next morning, can't you? Mm. I think gambling addiction can come on very, very quickly. That's what's the worrying thing about it. Yeah. And actually what I've been thinking is it's a strange one because it's something that we do expose kids to or not not even just in the internet sense I remember really young and this isn't a criticism of my parents but we'd do a kind of family sweepstake on the Grand National from when we were tiny you'd study you'd have a look at the thing you'd all put a pound in and yeah and then the person who won the sweepstake would would feel like a hero and and that is such an innocent action just a, a you know a family activity but you don't know that that kind of rush isn't just unlocking something something in someone do you yeah you're so right Clemmy because for me it was it was um it was very difficult because you know my my family were members of new market horse racing jockey club and so you know I as a family you know we would often because I come from a large family would often have great days out at particularly at Newmarket because that was sort of you know the the heart of the kings and you know so we would have great times I've got great memories of me and my sister but we lost so much money you know (laughs) we would go there with say 60 pounds or 50 pounds each and we'd be you know sure we were going to we were going to lose but we knew our limits and that's what I like about this particular campaign it's about education it's about prevention knowing your limit you know we we knew our limits and but not everyone can be like that you know is there's a dangerous ugly side to gambling that you have to be aware of yeah I think and you earlier used a comparison of alcohol and one thing for me that does have a comparison is alcohol is often woven into loads of other celebratory events and what you know this campaign's about the world cup the world cup is obviously about football and the everyone getting behind the team but the the ugly side of that is that that for people who have gambling challenges it can be woven into that and it's the same way you're saying going to Newmarket. what we you can all be partaking in an event and the experience can be so different for somebody who who struggles with gambling to everybody else I think it's really sad, though, because, um, you know, before I met my husband, um, I I was very ignorant about football. I have to admit, I didn't know anything about football. I even thought he was a musician when I met him. (laughs) My knowledge of football has had to, you know, I had to have an advancement course in it from my husband. And... um, even we see it, we witness it, we go to clubs and 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 gambling is part of it. If you go to Newmarket or Ascot or somewhere like that, you you know, don't you, that that gambling is it goes with it, doesn't it? Mm. It's part of it. Me and my husband, you know, my husband will never be able to go to a horse rates meeting again, like an alcoholic can't really go into a pub and sit at a bar again. Um but in answer to your question, the problem with football is there seems to be an unhealthy relationship. You should be able to watch a game of football 
and celebrate the win of the club you love, the, the, the players that you love. You know, that art of football, are we losing that? From mm. when I've seen videos and films of Peter in the early days, you know, and, and now we're being told, you know, that youngsters are, are betting on, you know, the first goal. And, and the whole game seems to be becoming about gambling. It's mm. And it seems unhealthy because it, it's a family game. There's children around it. And again, that's what's so important about this prevention education type campaign it's raising awareness about that and just being a bit careful I mean as you're talking I'm thinking I am so clueless to this I'm so clueless because it yeah I think you're right I also grew up in um in and around horse racing where the gambling is very transparent (laughs) you know you've got you've got the tote, you've got the bookies, you go and do it. But I, I've i got young boys who are really deeply into football, nowhere near this kind of point. But yeah, when they're, when they're having those heated conversations about the first goal being scored, which at the moment is completely innocent, I hadn't really comprehended that that, yeah, that is also the place where the gambling can be hooked on. And, I, and I'm wondering, I guess, what what we do to prevent it, where we start spotting the signs. I think that's that's really important because the, the problem that you have out of all the addictions, sadly, that individuals encounter, encounter um, gambling addiction is a hidden secretive addiction. Mm. So the addict, you you would be in a room with me and you would not be able to tell if you walked into a room who who's a gambling addict mm. it's they 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 hide it and also quite interestingly my husband didn't know he was an addict until he quit so really? often often the gambler is going out of control with their gambling they know they may have a bit of a problem but they don't recognize it as a gambling addict because sadly with gambling addiction, there is a stigma, which is something I'm passionate about knocking through. It is a mental health illness. So the the high can lead on to the mental health illness, which is the gambling addiction. And most of that's hidden. So as I say, it's, it's very difficult. And I think some of the signs around football are, you know, are, are you know are they on their phone a lot are they looking at their phone in you know the phones are normally where most of the majority of the gambling nowadays goes on and I think as a loved one you have that gut feeling like you with your boys you you would mm. you would have a bit of a gut feeling which is why it often as a loved one you feel like there's an affair going on because the behavior is very similar mm. and like with a child you know um Sadly, there's 65,000 11 to 17-year-olds in the UK at the moment that are addicted to gambling addiction, (sighs) which is, 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 you know, and that statistic was done 18 months ago. So, you know, we have to be aware of this during during the World Cup period um, of our behaviour when gambling around children because... You know, there is a real problem that's rising. It's not decreasing. And also there's one individual every day in the UK that commits suicide over gambling addiction. You know, so you look at some of the statistics and they're they're quite shocking. 
So raising awareness and preventing, yes, like smoking is bad for you, isn't it? But if you want to have a cigarette, that's fine. And we're not anti-gambling. You know, a lot of Mm. people enjoy a bet. But don't let it intrude in the beautiful game of football. That's it. It's the same with any of these things. It's just the line about how much, as you say, how much of your mind it's taking up. If it, if it, if yeah, the the emotions are too big off the back of it. If it's if you are more preoccupied with that than the actual experience of of the game, and unfortunately, we're in a kind of um, terrible, I can't think, meeting of. T- several situations a cost of living crisis we know that we know that finances are very very tough for people at the moment and the problem with gambling the high off it also promises access to a bunch of money that you think might solve um x y and z problems and then the very nature of it is if that doesn't work out you've you've you're on the back foot and and so it begins well, that is the problem, isn't it? Because gambling advertising, I mean, um, I think Gamble Aware have just done a survey and 61% of football fans say that there's too much gambling advertising going on. And the problem with the advertising is, it, particularly for young and the vulnerable, it is all about win, win, win. And you're quite right. You know, this, it's such a difficult time in our economy. It's a horrible time. And that's quite enticing, isn't it? To think, oh, hold on a moment. If I put £5 on that, you know, I could win, win, win because it's being splashed everywhere. And also, I'm getting free bets, you know, free and win. It's very, very um, enticing for mm. most individuals in the UK at the moment, isn't it? So again, that's why this campaign is so important because it's about checking that in. If you're going to put £5 on a bet, understand the chances are you're not going to get a return on that or you might Mm. lose it. So it's using your money wisely, isn't it? You know, put put £5, you know, towards your energy bill because you're going to get a, you are going to be guaranteed a return on that £5, Mm. aren't you? Because you're going to, be lowering your bills but as I say um try and just enjoy the enjoy the sport Mm. rather than the gambling I would say and also I think we're talking about um checking in with people and for me that that is checking in with my kids but I'm thinking um in fact I I did a talk the other day about the podcast and was talking about upcoming campaigns and said I was going to be um looking at talking about gambling and and a member of the audience came up a guy and he said I am seriously worried about several of my friends as we go into the into the world cup and I think that is the message isn't it if you're in that environment and um, um usually predominantly amongst guys but amongst everybody to keep an eye out on your friends just to spot this kind of behavior yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a therapist and a project worker and an ambassador for an addiction charity. And, um, you know, we there was a, another statistic that came out, um, a YouGov survey was done. That was about 12 months ago. And it identified 1.4 million problematic gamblers just in the UK. Now, they um queensland university did a study and identified between six and ten loved ones and individuals become affected around one problematic gambler or one gambling addict so there's a lot of people in this country 
that are suffering and you know you know that that probably needs a lot of support mm. and we need to raise that awareness um you know stop the stigma understand that it is a mental health issue it's not a hobby that's gone wrong that that you know let's openly talk about this it's okay for someone who suddenly realizes yeah my gambling is a bit out of hand you know, my mates are all doing it. I'm finding a lot of that, Clemmie, that, you know, I've got a lot of lads that have come to me and then they're basically saying, you know, oh, what do I do? Because all my mates do it. It's something, it's, it's becoming a social event, mm. you know, gambling on football. And it, you know, it's really difficult. So it is about talking. You know, I have a problem and it's okay. Let's talk about it. And for the loved ones, don't be afraid to tap into it. Um, research about it and obviously you've got the be um, gambleaware.org um, which I think is going to help so many throughout the competition um, and, and raising the awareness and the dangers and the pitfalls of, of where it can flip into. It's, as you're talking for me I've done, you know I do a lot of this kind of work and uh, in and around mental health because it often circles back to that and I think my kind of golden rule is with any of addiction or mental health issues if you're wondering whether you've got a problem if that thought has even crossed your mind and the same about someone that you care about then it's then it's worth pursuing the idea that you have I think I think our intuition in that sense is is really trying to tell us something you know if yeah if if there's even a glimmer of this of hearing what we're saying thinking wow that maybe that does relate to my partner a friend to me to go through the steps of going on a helpline of ringing of of going on a website and 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 trying to yeah. change the path I think because as we That's know with the dick go on Yes, so that's why loved ones and those around are absolutely vital. And, you know, if you think you're struggling, reach out to someone, you know, reach out to that person you know you can trust and is going to listen because there will be someone. And I think for a loved one and a friend, you know, reach out to this, you know, to to professionals, to people around. Go with that gut feeling. You'll know when you're watching someone's behaviour. And don't be afraid as well to be the investigator. You don't feel bad about that if you're a, a spouse, you know, um, you know, or a mum, and you feel a bit guilty. I'm, oh, I'm just going to check through my son's phone, like you, Clemmie, with your your sons. Don't feel guilty about that. If you, if you have concerns about their well being, and that involves maybe a possible gambling habit that may be going wrong, you know, the best thing you can do is just to have a little, you know, just just do a bit of investigating because. Sometimes somebody has a gambling problem and 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 is going into gambling harm and and they don't realize it mm. or they they're in denial. Denial's a massive thing. You know, none of us want to talk about our financial situations if they're a bit murky, do we? No. It's uncomfortable, it's awkward, you know. As an ex as you know, an example of what we're talking about, how did that first conversation with Peter go? You know, how did he take the idea that you thought that there was something not great going on? Just the brick wall used to come up. Really, you know, it was in complete denial. It was an absolute denial, um, and wouldn't allow me in. So I had to become quite an investigator. Um, you know, because obviously when his bank statements arrived, I noticed he would quickly 
they would disappear. Um, you know, so it was hidden from me hugely. And then he went to work in India for three weeks and and um, the, his bank statement, it must have been fate really, um, arrived and I wrestled with my conscience for three days because I knew if I opened it, one, I knew I would be breaching his confidentiality, which felt really uncomfortable. And two, I, I, I knew it would answer all these doubts that were going on in the back of my mind. But he didn't have mobile then. So had he had got the mobile phone, you know, I, I perhaps would have tried to tap in. Um, but and then, then and that's when I saw it and it was just horrendous. But I always looked at it as an illness. I always felt terribly sorry for him to think he'd walked about all of his entire adult life with this horrible condition. Um, you know, because it mentally it's so absorbing, absorbing, you know, it, it, it's just horrible. So, yes, I was determined to beat the bookie. <laughs> How long had I was it gone on for? I was going to share him. Sorry? How long had it gone on for then, do you think? He'd had it for 45 years, but we had been together three three years and then he he finally quit. But I never put pressure on him. I, I would always say to him, you have an illness, this is an illness and you need help. Always talked, even now when he does interviews, he will always talk about it now. I think I brainwashed him hmm. into understanding that it wasn't his fault. It was the addiction that took over. Um, wow. And I particularly say that to parents because for parents... But, you know, you, you, your natural thing is, you know, no, you don't do that. Don't do it again, isn't it? And, and so I think for parents, it's even harder to get their head around the mental illness side of it and the fact it's not their fault. It's just that they've had a high that's gone wrong and led to an addiction. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, addiction is extremely complicated and at there is a point, I believe, where really the person has to be prepared to save themselves. All you can do is um, be the person to signal in the right direction and, and support them through it. But, you know, I think much as I can't speak for Peter, but you opening the um, bank statement was an awful moment. Though It's so often the case that the, the, the worst moment is also the best moment because it's a transition into... You know, out of addiction. Well, yes, because that enabled me to have those conversations. Then that enabled me to be able to say to him, "Look, I'm really sorry, but you have a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Mentally, you're not in a good place at all. This is out of control." I had the evidence to be able to have those that conversation and not be afraid to have that conversation. As much as he would shut me down, you know, I am not one to talk about it. It enabled me then to say, you know, well, no, we can't get married because you're gambling. No, we can't go there because you're gambling. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. it opened that dialogue of actually life with gambling in it was more difficult and look at life without it. But I'm talking obviously about the 5% addicts, mm -hmm. you know, um, so I think with the prevention and on this particular campaign, it is about stopping and thinking. It's about the individual who's having 
having bets throughout the World Cup, you know, okay, I have a I have a budget, I can afford to spend X amount on gambling. Mm-hmm. Do I really want to do that? Do I need to do that? Um, you know, am I within within my limit? And it's also recognizing if it's spiraling out of control. Yeah. And then for the loved ones and those around them, it's about monitoring um go with your gut feeling you know uh, you'll soon know if you if you're monitoring and you're watching yeah I think you're so right and it is really important I was just thinking as we're speaking you know we are talking Peter unfortunately for him became an extreme case and and that isn't the thing that we want to shine a light on really it is just checking on in on those behaviors so that we don't transition from something that is fun to something that is problematic and you're right I think the very straightforward way of that is only gambling with an amount of money that you can afford to lose really because then it's not there's not a risk at play and and it is it's it's the emotional because this is a mental health thing it it becomes the emotions tied up with it so it's checking in on that Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. But if you, you know, as a loved one, they are just as much the victim um, as as what the um, the addict is. So also, you know, if you're around someone and you've got that suspicious behaviour going on because you'll pick up on it, um, it, it's exactly the same feeling as an affair going on. Mm-hmm. There is a third party involved. Um, so it's about going with that and not feeling at all worried to any parent or any loved one, you know, don't feel at all worried or feel uncomfortable like you with getting your son's phone and just having a check through, you know, mm. to check things out. And if there is a problem and, and you know, somebody thinks, yeah, I, I could fall into that through the World Cup, you know, 1.4 million problematic gamblers, you know, you there are tools on which you can stop the advertising and stop your gambling, which are amazing. So you have got like Gambam, you have got GamStop. And if you go to BeGambleAware.org, that will all be on there. So if you are worried or you are worried about your children, you know, you put, put, put the stops on the phones, um, you you know, where, where you can't gamble, you can't set accounts mm. up. Um, so there are lots of tools out there now, Clemmy, which which can safeguard. I think that's always a really important message. Like I I have quite a panicked reaction to conversations like this, but as we're saying, we're talking about the worst case scenarios. There are things you can do. There are ways of looking out. There are tools you can bring in, and it's it's trying to just have your eyes open to the situation, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I um, Is there any kind of piece of advice that you would give yourself at the beginning of this journey with Peter? Um, I think mine would have, there wasn't so much around out there as what there is now. But I think for me, it would have been, I would have loved to have just had somebody I could really open up and talk to, even if it had been a friend, so I felt very lonely and isolated and I felt, which I should never have done, I felt embarrassed, mm. you know, that I was in this relationship with somebody who was gambling. 
And I wish, you know, if I gave myself advice, it would have been from the beginning, you know, reach out and share your problem. Um, but I always, and, and I have a lot of clients that say that to me, you know, that you feel that if you talk about the problem, that they'll be, oh, what, what are you doing with him then? Leave him, he's a gambler. You know, that's just awful, isn't it? And that's why I'm so passionate about all what, I'm, what I do in getting that message out there and not having individuals feeling as alone, as isolated as I did, you know, reach out. And and again, this is a, the the joy of having these conversations further down the line. You you lived through all of that, and now look where both you and Peter are. And and there is always a journey out of these things, um, if you if you can begin to take the right steps. Definitely, and I think Peter has always been behind education and prevention when it comes to gambling harms. Yeah, it's why he he's so he's so behind this campaign that he's doing, um, because it, it was it's really needed. It really is needed. You know the the prevention side of it um, before things get out of hand. I tend to deal more with you know what the 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 bad side of it where it can go into, um, um, but this campaign is more led at you know. That uh, stopping it before it gets out of hand, recognizing the signs before it gets out of hand. You know, am I in a bit too deep? Am I, you know, spending far too much? Can I afford to put that on? We should all be looking at what we're spending our money on, shouldn't we? You know, we've cut down on takeaways. You know, because when we looked at takeaways, we were like, oh my goodness. You know, it's like you know you know, turning lights off when we walk out of the room. We'll treat gambling the same. Mm. Is it something you really need to have to do for this World Cup? So true. If, if yeah, will you have had a better experience if the, watching the World Cup costs you X amount of money or will you, yeah, will getting to the end of it with whatever the result with your bank balance in a better situation, yeah, be an, an extra layer of joy. So I think that's, yeah, really important. And thank you so much for sharing yours and Peter's story and uh, like well done you for you know sticking with a partner I, I know you loved him but it, it can't have been an easy journey thank you so much Clemmie thank you I really appreciate it and you know anyone out there that's got concerns you know re please reach out please reach out uh, so that was Steph and Steph is obviously the partner of someone with a gambling problem this Next guest of mine is Joe, and Joe is someone who is a year gamble-free, having found herself in the depths of gambling for seven years after a one-off bet in a football match. So, without further ado, let's talk to Joe. Tell me your story, I guess, where you got your first taste of gambling, and then how that escalated from just something you were partaking into into, yeah, I guess, more of a, a problem. Um, well, basically for me, um, I my first bet was on a football match. Now, I don't, you know, I, I don't really watch football unless it's like a special occasion. Um, and so I put this bet on because my, my what it was is my stepdad, he was he was watching the football and he put a bet on. Um, so I was I was being nosy, basically. And I was I was like, oh, yeah, I'll have a go at that. So I did it. And the bet that I put on won. And 
so that made me feel really good it made me feel I was quite good at it you know I can do this again if I keep doing this you know I'll, I'll win loads of money um so I had a bit of I had a bit of money to play around with on my account so um I had to look around the website you know and I put some money on you know on the slots and that's what really took hold of me is when I was playing on the slot machines um I st- I, I kept winning and then that made me feel what like you know really good and happy and um but then I started losing a lot a, a lot a lot a lot and I couldn't accept the fact that I was losing that money um so I would literally chase my losses um and obviously I didn't come out very good <laughs> from that I was never going to win um but you know I just could not stop I would be up all night long I'd call in sick for work um then I started to get really really depressed um and you know I didn't want to talk to anyone I was lying to everyone um and I got into a lot of debt um so you know and this continued for quite a while um and then I got to a point where I I didn't want to be alive anymore you know um so I had to I knew I had to do something somehow and I didn't but at the time I didn't know who to contact I didn't know who to tell I didn't know you know that gambling could be a problem for someone I didn't even know about gambling addiction um so I started like looking online for help um and I did come across uh, Gordon Moody and um they took me on to their retreat um and that was the, a program and that you know really helped me um made me you know got me back onto the road to recovery and but because of all the um stress from the gambling um i my hair started to fall out so you know i had alopecia um i, I had to shave it off my hair in the end which you know made me even more depressed and i didn't want to be alive even more um and i started gambling again because you know it made me feel happy it made me feel in this world where i couldn't no one could hurt me i couldn't be upset i couldn't be any you know it was my escapism from life the gambling and so yeah i went full on gambling again and then i had to reach out for help um yeah and then gordon moody luckily took me back into their program and you know i'm now gamble free for a year um well it's probably over a year now um and i've paid all my debts off and i'm in a good place at the moment oh first of all i'm so sorry that things got so um so tough for you do you think the moment would you say you're in a good place on that day that you first um made that first bet do you think that that there was a catalyst that went on around there or it's just it just yeah it just happened to be a moment of no significance i was in a good i was in quite i thought i was in a very good place when i you know when i put my first bet on um but i think obviously deep down i wasn't because mm. you know this what this world of gambling it 
it drew me in and it made me feel, you know, good. And I had, you know, this great escape room as such, you know? Yeah, that's what's um, interesting to hear when I'm listening to you that, of course, you are chasing the money, but you're also chasing a feeling, aren't you? You're cha- From what I'm hearing, you're chasing a a high you said you felt like you were good at something which you know is an appealing thing to all of our egos I guess to feel like you've you fat not only have you found a thing that makes you feel good it provides money and it and it yeah I guess I'm projecting but it might feel like you've you've hit on this brilliant thing that can answer so many questions yeah most definitely and I used to kid myself and I used to you know, I used to talk myself into continue gambling. Like I would say to myself, oh, I'm due a win soon. So that's what kept me going, you know. And I think I got, I would only stop if I ran out of money mm. and I literally couldn't put anything else on. Did you, were you enjoying it? I know that was a weird question. Is it an enjoyable oh, yeah. process? Yeah, I mean, it was when I was winning, but then, you know, it was a nice feeling, but then winning was never enough, you know? I would continue and I would talk myself into carrying on, like, oh, I'll just spend half of it, you know, and I'd carry on and then I'd carry on. And then afterwards was the worst feeling in the world. Like, I'd run out of money, nothing left. I couldn't chase anything because I had nothing left made me feel sick, depressed. It, was, it wasn't nice at all. Often with recovery, you're trying to find peers to help you out of it. And mm-hmm. so you might often gravitate to someone who, who you perceive to be similar. So other women, you know, to open up the conversations. But it, because as far as I know, it's not, again, these are massive assumptions, but gambling more naturally sits in a male environment. It's something that guys talk about more. So it'd be hard to then find other another woman to open up that conversation with because it's not something that is naturally spoken about by women as often, I don't think. No, no, definitely not. I mean, definitely. Like, when I started gambling, I never... I didn't even know. I, it, I did see it as a, a guy's, you know, what blokes do. Um, and especially when I, was, I wanted to get help, I, in my mind, I thought... Like if I was going to go to some help, with, you know, for gambling, it's going to be in like a, you know, a community centre with a load of blokes in a circle on the plastic mm. chairs. Do you know what I mean? So I, that did put me off mm. looking for help. But I was lucky and, you know, I found that, you know, I'm not the only woman. And it's just, you know, not, not a lot of women talk about it, you know? No. Exactly that. Exactly. Of course, it's not just men. Of course, it, it, it like all these things that can happen to anyone. But you just, it's quite an invisible habit anyway. But I feel like it's even more invisible amongst female gamblers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that is the the, the real challenge of this. Is it, from what I'm learning from these conversations, is that so much of it can happen. Yeah, invisibly, like you, as you're saying, you're doing it at home on a computer, on your phone, overnight, then going about your normal life, and and until you knew how bad it was, people might not have any idea that this is something that's going on. No, of course not. I mean, 
I was quite, I was very good at lying and you know hiding things. I was very good. I I I had to do it for my like to get if I wanted to gamble if I had to get money or whatever. I was I was a good liar. You know I, I was a horrible person, horrible, and um, I didn't like who I become at all. Like I would get angry if somebody disturbed me from gambling. It would it would annoy me. Did any of your friends or family um, like call you out on it or try and have conversations with you about it? Nobody um, called me out on it at all. Um, my mum did know that there was something about me that had changed. Um, I think at one point I did say, look, can you take my laptop off me because I'm spending too much money, you know, gambling. But because... She didn't realise how bad it was. Um, I, obviously, I didn't tell her. But then I wanted to gamble again. So I would bully her, basically, into giving me my laptop back. You know, I would I would be horrible, you know, not very nice at all. And, and then I just carried on gambling. And then you talked about going um, onto a programme to help you out. And what, what, what was that like? Was it... Did it feel like a big turning point, and and what the pro, what is the process out of that? It was yeah, it was really good. I mean, they take you out of your life basically for you know a couple of days, um, and you get taught about um, gambling harms basically, and triggers, and how to manage the triggers, um, and you learn you learn about yourself, you know, and you have counselling. Um, and there's an outreach worker, so you're not just left after treatment. You know, you have counselling mm. for six weeks and then you, you you continue with your outreach worker. So this campaign with Gamble Aware is, is tied into the World Cup and, I mean, it feels pertinent with you because it was football that, you know, that fateful bet was made. Do you think it's, it's um, a problem or... Is that the right language? I'm interested in the fact that, you know, sport and gambling are so intrinsically tied to one another. How do we go about in um, stopping that being problematic, I suppose? Um, I think really it's about raising awareness of, you know, gambling harms and encouraging people to recognise the warning signs. Like, I mean, it's not like we're trying to put people off from, you know, gambling you know people enjoy it people can do it safely um and responsibly but then there also are people that can't like myself so i think you know with this campaign it's raising awareness of the warning signs like if you you know losing track of time like me i spent all day all night gambling at one point literally wouldn't sleep you know i'd spend more than i can afford you know, I literally spent every penny. I couldn't pay my bills um, and I, and hiding it from people. I lied to everybody. And, you know, and I, I was a horrible person, you know. So I think those are the warning signs, well, some of the warning signs. Mm. And th- I, I went through every single one of them, you know. And I think if I was more aware of gambling harm, um, I think... I probably would have recognised sooner and not got myself into so much debt, you know? Yeah, if you 
Do you think there was a, a time where you didn't realise that it was problematic, that, that you were just partaking in it and then it, then it transitioned to the point that it becomes some self-awareness? Yeah, definitely. I thought I was in control of it. Even if I was spending loads, I thought, nah, it's all right. I, I've got, you know, I'm fine. I can stop whenever I want. But actually, I couldn't. You know, and I think it, it got it got to the point where I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I think that's when I realised, hang on a minute, I'm not in control. I've got no money. I'm lying. I'm a, I'm not who I am. I'm horrible, horrible person. You know. Yeah, it's so interesting. I uh, don't drink, and I think uh, in the, my journey to sobriety, there is a real piece of language which is as soon as whatever the thing is, the substance, a habit, takes more than it gives then then you know something's changed you know and and I can definitely recognize that moment where yeah for me alcohol was yeah it became something embedded with shame and dread and yeah and yes there were still moments of fun within it but they become so much so fractional compared to the bigger picture of the, of the negative and I think as soon as that balance shifts to more negative than positive then then you've got to start take heed of that Mm-hmm. definitely I agree yeah it's such a, a, a difficult journey as I've been doing this campaign I was saying actually off mic it it kind of breaks my heart that for some people this this world cup is going to be probably a, a transitional moment that may, may see their see the gambling take a harmful turn and all mm-hmm. we want to do is just trying to prevent that happening isn't it yeah, definitely. And gambling is so easy now, isn't it? Like you don't even have to go anywhere, you know. And obviously, and there's going to be a lot of lot of friends gathering to watch the matches and stuff, having a few drinks maybe. And you know, it's like it's easy to get carried away, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Like with me, I only put one bet on the football, one, and then look look where I ended up, you know. It is mad, but you know, I think this campaign is brilliant to help raise awareness. We're not trying to put people off doing it. We're just we want to just make sure that people know the the warning signs, you know, and how to deal with it, and who to talk to if they find themselves struggling, you know. Yeah, that was going to be my next well, two points. As you've said a couple of times, this isn't. I never want to look like we're having a go at gambling as a across the board because as you say for some people it genuinely can be fun part of the experience and doesn't need to be problematic but my question to you is if there's someone listening at any point and and they're having that inkling of oh maybe maybe myself or someone I love has strayed into into a territory that doesn't feel doesn't feel healthy anymore what's what's the next steps what's your advice how how to support yourself or them through it um well I would I would encourage anybody to talk to somebody okay like for me I wouldn't dare I was too embarrassed too ashamed of myself to talk to anybody but honestly talking to somebody is such a big help um I think if you are a loved one of somebody who who you who you think maybe you know struggling from gambling harm talk to them you know you don't have to beat around the bush just talk to them you know um there's limits that can be set on all these games and websites and all that um like time limits and 
spending limits. It's a good idea to do those. Um, you can have a look on um, begamblerware.org as well. There's some advice, free confidential advice and stuff on there. There's plenty of help out there. It's just, mm. you know, we need to show show everybody where it is, you know. My question to you is if someone had have approached you, as you said, when you were trying to coax your um, laptop back of your mum, it's quite hard for a loved one, isn't it? Because more often than not in life, if if you have a conversation that is actually difficult, that it does land on some truth, the chances are it, that conversation might not be an easy conversation and it might not, for the first time, go that well. Um, but, yeah, what would your advice be to people who are feeling that, oh, I'm, I'm, I want to have a conversation, but I'm worried about the hostility or the denial or whatever else? Um, well, yeah, you're right. You can't, you're not, if you call someone out on something, they're not necessarily going to, you know, say, oh, yes, you caught me or whatever. But I think maybe just opening a conversation, um, just maybe perhaps something like, oh, I've noticed you've you've been spending a lot of time doing that lately. Is everything okay? Or do you know, just, just you know, put them in, point them in the right direction. I mean, it's only to offer help, isn't it? It's not like oh, telling them off. It's, you know, they just need, people just need to know where they can turn and who they can talk to and just reaching out a tiny bit, you know, to somebody could help. It's not going to fix everything, I know. But, I mean, if my mum, if anybody called me out on my gambling, yeah, I probably, I would have probably hid it better in the beginning. But also, if she would have reached out to me and, you know, just mentioned it, it might have made me start to think differently, like be more acknowledge what I'm doing and, and kind of, you know, I know ultimately it's down to the person gambling to get help. But, you know, if you get support from your family and friends, then I suppose you're, it's more, you're more likely to look for help, I suppose. Yeah, I think you're right. And from what I was hearing particularly with gambling of all these challenges it's quite a lonely pursuit and I think I always say it actually that somebody just needs to when we're struggling the most we need to know that somebody is there for us and as you say often in those circumstances at the first time it might not you might not appear to absorb it but it does it does penetrate the brain somewhere and you go oh yeah you're using the example of your mum I, I know that they're there I know that they're thinking of me I know that they're aware that that does begin to change your own mindset to it I think mm-hmm. definitely and well for me I started thinking like I definitely can't talk to anyone now because I've got myself into so much trouble like debt and you know I'm so embarrassed you know I, I felt like I couldn't but that was just me feeling it you know like obviously people you know people's reactions to things are going to be different yes my mum was really angry at me but she was also concerned and she wanted to help me you know and I know not everybody has the support but at the end of the day that you've got nothing to be ashamed about right you're not the only person in the world that's got problems with gambling it's you know it's just not talked about as much you know Mm. you know sometimes you know it's not anybody's fault it's just that's what's happened and literally nothing to be shamed about at all nothing 
Yeah, I think that's a, a double whammy of both addiction and um, mental health is that they, they lie to you. They tell you that nobody cares. They tell you that there's no way out. They tell you that you should be ashamed and that it's kind of the end of the road situation. And then when you can sit on the other side, when you're in a, a better headspace and you're looking at people you love, I would hate that anybody that I care about thinks that they have a habit or a problem that is is bigger than my love for them. And yes, of course, that means that you have to have difficult conversations and tell them some uncomfortable truths. But yeah, you just wish that, that everybody out there knew that it's, it's always worth voicing it and working your way out of. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. And yeah, and, and, and that's why I, I like coming on to, you know, and talking about my experience because in the hope that, I can help other people because I once felt the same, you know, ashamed, embarrassed, you know, didn't want to talk to one, anyone, you know, I didn't want to be alive anymore. But, you know, I'm proof that things can get better and we do recover, you know. All we need to do is try and talk about it and reach out for help, you know. Okay, it might sound easy for me to say it just then. It's a hard journey, but we can do it. You can do it. That's it. That is always um, Matt Haig, who writes a lot about his mental health and has, has unfortunately been found himself was you know suicidal before. And he said, "You've got to st- stick with it for the person that you can become, for the for the person that can get out of the addiction or out of the gambling." And yeah, we're talking about the very extreme end of this, about it feeling like it's taken over your life and. I want to keep pushing the fact that when we're talking about the World Cup, it doesn't have to doesn't have to be this extreme. But prevention is better better than cure, always, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, loads of people are going to enjoy, you know, watching the matches and you know having a little bet and stuff. It's just we just we're just showing people how to do it responsibly and there's mm. plenty of information online you know be gamblerware.org there's loads of stuff on there yeah that's it all you need is one place to go that can shift things so i always yeah. end the um podcast with a, a bit of a huge question sorry it's coming your way now <laughs> but if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say well, any topic or anything, anything. Had some, I've had people want to talk to their dog, to celebrities, to teachers, any anything. I would, if I'm honest, I would talk to myself, right? And I would say that you can do more than you give yourself credit for. You, you are, you deserve happiness, just like everybody else. Um, and you can achieve what you want to achieve and don't let anybody stop you from doing that. That's what I would say. And the thing is, what I think of my own kind of self-development journey, that sounds really wanky, but you have to keep reminding (laughs) yourself of that. You know, it's such a huge transition when you realise that you can show yourself that level of love and respect and um, Mm -hmm. empathy. It's like, oh, I I can have a nice dialogue with myself in my mind. Who knew? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I didn't want that to sound selfish. No. I think 
for for many many years I have neglected myself as a person and not given myself the love and you know appreciation of who I am and who I can be and and so now you know I I said for the first time the other day I can't remember why I said it now but I'm for once the first time in my life I'm actually proud of myself I've never been proud of myself and I am now well, congratulations for working through such a horrible chapter. But um, look where it's got you. It's so often the case. It's like all those cliches, but out of the darkness comes the light. And um, yeah, you you really ought to be proud of yourself. And it is the least selfish answer. It's the most honest answer. So thank you very much. And thank you for your time. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, they were two very, very powerful conversations and two women who really have felt what it is to have gambling really really shape your world not just for a small while but um, for many many years but also two women who are really um, landing the importance of being aware of of where gambling can begin and how it can escalate of, of being able to spot the signs of being prepared to have those conversations even if even as a partner or the person who's struggling themselves, even if shame tells you that you ought not to, that bringing these things out into the light and seeking help, particularly through visiting a um, website like begambleaware.org is the difference between having something swallowing you up and making the change and moving out with that. Um, this episode was made in partnership with Gamble Aware and I hope that we really have made yeah made people stop and think about the fact that obviously the world cup is very exciting as i said at the beginning my household is extremely excited and don't want to put a rain on anyone's parade but we do know that um an event like this and particularly because of the amount of advertising around gambling these days can be a trigger so as a way of wrapping up with some useful advice here are some practical tips that can help number 1 when you're gambling, it's very easy to lose track of time. So one thing that they advise is that you should set a time limit. Um, and when you get to that time, try and make sure that you do stop. Don't lose your hard-earned cash chasing your losses. Make sure you stop. Again, to avoid bet regrets, set yourself a money limit. When it's gone, it's gone. And try not to continue beyond that. If you are finding that there are too many temptations around you, you can use block notifications for gambling apps, limit, limit gambling ads online and leave your bank card at home. And lastly, there is help and there is free advice out there. Search Be Gamble Aware for advice and support for staying in control of your gambling and if you want advice to help to help others too. And again, you'll find a link for that in the show notes. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you Gamble Aware for partnering on this. As ever, I'm always keen to hear from you at ButWhy Podcast on Instagram or ButWhy at ClemmyTelford.com on the old email. I am now off to change some bedding, which is 100% my worst job. I really genuinely find it extremely hard work. In fact, if I, if I was rich, <laughs> I was going to say when, but I think it's definitely an if. Um, I would, the first job that I would give away would be to pay someone to change the bed linen for me. That would be fantastic. But until then, 
those shoots need changing wishing you a very good day and please do catch up with us next week goodbye <laughs>